tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no time to let this tale get old. No, no, no. It's the best story. Hello and uh, welcome to the show. My guest uh, is filmmaker Justin Warren. Hey, everybody. So uh, this is so one of the cool things about doing this for me is I get to talk to people I know out of context from what I usually know them from. And interestingly, I don't really know anything about Justin <laughs> except for basketball. That's like the only context we right. see each other is the love of the game, pick up ball. Boom. Uh, shout out to Ruben, super fan of the series, uh, who one day, you know, I was telling him about the show, uh, this podcast, and then he's like, oh, you should you should ask Justin. He'd be a great guest. And I was like, oh, okay. Thanks, Rubes. Yeah, so shout out to Ruben. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I'll say this really quickly. Like the, I think the bonding moment we had uh, was like, we, usually when we play ball, we just play. Like there's not much like social banter. Mm -hmm. It's literally just we're there to play. And one time I think we were playing like like kids half our age. Yeah. And we, and we got smoked off the court. And I think you said something to the effect of like, I'm just here for cardio, man. Right. Like, I'm just here for some good cardio. I, I literally just play basketball to keep my heart beating. Yeah. That's the only reason I do it. Yeah. So then I was like, yeah, that's why I play too. Uh, and so I, I, from then, yeah, then I reached out to you to come on. So So thanks. But I did do a little bit of research, uh, as uh, a host should, and uh, you made a feature. I did make a feature. Which, yeah, I assumed the dudes we play with are all like in the film industry and stuff in yeah. Los Angeles, so I, I knew you were like in the field. But uh, how, well, what was the feature real quick? And like, I guess the quick question is like, what was like kind of the biggest challenge and biggest like, like, triumph of your project yeah yeah so my uh my feature which came out last year is called then there was joe and it is a comedy independent film that i raised i raised most of the money on kickstarter and just like went and indie renegated it myself <laughs> nice <laughs> with me and a couple of my friends from from school uh i don't know if you know charles Lisenring, but uh i don't but he just got a shout out yeah what's up chuck what's up man uh but like uh a few of my friends from school, like we just basically moved back uh, at home with my parents and lived there for like two months and made this feature in my parents' house. What, uh, where is that? Uh, in Arkansas. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So we, so we left uh, sunny California and went to uh, Mosquito Land in Arkansas, which is my, my home. And uh, I love it dearly and I miss it very much. Uh, but uh, going to, but basically the, the feature is about, uh, it's kind of like loosely autobiographical. Uh, so it's about like in real life, my brother uh, is kind of a stone cold criminal or used to be, I should say. Whoa. And uh, yeah. And so like, and, and it's really strange because my parents are uh, attorneys. And so, <laughs> and my brother is an attorney as well. So we have this family full of attorneys and this, this one guy <laughs> in our family, my brother, who is just like uh, up until a few years ago was, was 
more or less kind of a career criminal to some degree. And, uh, but like he was sort of the black sheep of the family, but like everybody loves him and he's like this, the most charming individual you'll ever meet. And so I, I thought like, Oh, that's a cool story I can tell. And so, uh, the story is basically about a, a law student who is just trying to study for his bar exam, which is a very, you know, stressful experience. He's a very rule following, uh, straight laced guy and his brother who literally just got out of jail moves in with him and he has to keep him out of trouble. Right. And so it's a comedy of, of basically just two brothers trying not to kill each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. We, we got a lot of festival play, which was great. Um, and, uh, I actually ended up turning down a few distributors to distribute it on my website. And so it's available right now on my website at thentherewasjoe.com if you want to check it out. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so was the was the challenge like just the fundraising? Was that the hardest thing? Or You know, like what's weird is I feel like with, especially with indie filmmaking, because I feel like it's actually getting harder and harder for independent creators to kind of like bust through. Um, I, I feel like the, every single milestone of it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Okay. So yeah. like raising the money was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And then shooting the movie was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Then editing the movie was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And then just trying to survive the amount of rejection <laughs> that you get afterwards was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then I feel like the last maybe like three and a half years of my life has been a process of completely de- deconstructing who I am as an individual and putting myself back together. And so it's been like a really, really intense experience, but I feel like in that process, I've grown infinitely as a storyteller, as a, as a writer, as a director. And so like, there wasn't really like one particular moment that's like, this was the, this was, that was the triumph. I think like now collectively looking back on it, just the fact that I, that I did it <laughs> yeah. and I'm still here and I still want to make movies. I feel like is the, that's the triumph is I still want to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think I think we should all celebrate when we actually completed the content, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously there's a lot of business elements and all these things that aren't necessarily in your control mm-hmm. uh for a lot of reasons, but uh you know, actually creating the work and you know, celebrating it is is a a feat for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Yeah, man. That's awesome. Uh so I feel like that's a good like upbeat way to get into a story that which you you told you just told me before we started recording that no one's ever heard this one before like never (laughs) unless the people involved obviously right that lived it right which will i don't know what it is but we'll find out uh yeah so whenever you want to launch into it yeah so uh basically this this story takes place in little rock arkansas which is where i'm from and uh like so, a little a little backstory to kind of set it up. Uh, basically, I went to uh, an all white private school in the oh. middle of Little Rock, Arkansas, and Little Rock, compared I think to the rest of the country, is relatively conservative, especially compared to out here in L.A. Oh yeah. Uh, so like racially, <laughs> being like one of maybe three black students in my whole class. Uh, was a really sort of strange experience. It was very, very odd. And so, like, dating was always a huge challenge because, like, 
dads didn't want their white daughters dating black guys. I mean, that's just the truth, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, so like it was, it was a very challenging experience for me. Uh, and so I think what ended up happening was like, I sort of developed this like almost like puppy love type attachment to, to basically because there was such a small sampling of girls in my school. Cause the, the population of the school was so small. Uh, I would like get it super infatuated with a girl and try really, really hard to get them to pay attention to me. And if they didn't, I would be, I'd be heartbroken for a little bit. And then I just kind of turn my attention to someone else. (laughs) Can uh, can I ask you a couple uh, clarity questions? Totally. Yes. So, okay. So you go to like an all white uh, private school. Did you also live near the school or like was where you lived like more diverse or like? No, no, I actually lived in, in like a very, very white part of town as well. Okay. Yeah. So like in terms of it, it felt like, very much like we, I was always a bit of an outsider. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Like yeah. at school, at home, yeah. like in your neighborhood, you're always sort of like one of one of few. Totally. Okay, yeah. Got it. Pre- pretty much always seems like I've I've always sort of had this sort of outsider looking in perspective, and so. Uh, but there, like, what uh, basically the around like eleventh grade or so, I developed. No, it's about tenth grade. Uh, I developed this crush on this girl, uh, and for the sake of anonymity, we'll just call her Petunia. <laughs> her name is Petunia for the story. <laughs> Caucasian girl. Yes, she was named Caucasian. Petunia. Petunia, Caucasian woman named uh, Petunia. Great. Uh, but uh, like, she she was new to our school, so like there was okay. al- already this like whoa sort of factor because like we didn't get new students very often. Okay. And so, but like also comparatively to everyone else in the school, she was stunningly beautiful. Wow. Like literally movie star level beautiful. Like, like a beauty that would blow, like would literally just blow your mind. Uh, Stunningly beautiful human being. And uh, so like I being the not very smooth person that I am. Uh, I couldn't form a sentence around her. Like I literally, for some reason, lost the ability to speak whenever she was around. And uh, like I was, I was also a theater kid in school. So oh. uh, yeah, and so like she, she was surprisingly very interested in theater. And so like I got to kind of interact with her a few times in theater, but it would always never go well. <laughs> like uh, like occasionally I would get like paired up with her as a scene partner and I would forget all of my lines. Oh jeez! And uh, it was just very like publicly. It could be publicly uh, embarrassing <laughs> when you're like doing a scene with someone and you're also trying to impress them because you have a crush on them, but also they you know you can't. Uh, just her beauty was like just made me dumb basically. Uh, quick question. Yes. Do uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but, uh, where, where did she move from? Uh, it, man, or is it, that's a great question. Uh, I think she had moved from like New York or something. So she was like totally, okay. Very different. Yeah. Um, like she wasn't your, your typical Arkansan girl, you know what I mean? Right. Okay. So she it. definitely had like this, this magical sort of aura around her. It's like this girl from New York and she's beautiful and she, she can act and things like that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So she had this like special quality to her. Uh, and so I, I'd always tried all these different techniques to try to get her to notice me. Like I would, like I said, like we were doing theater together. I would try to, I would say my lines extra loud 
and you know realize like oh that doesn't work yeah uh, i try to like position myself uh like near the wings so when she came off i'd be like when she'd come off stage i'd i'd be there and be like oh yeah uh good good job good job you know yeah just trying to make as many points of contact as possible yeah. so hopefully she might notice me uh but uh like i went through a phase in in school where like i i started wearing trench coats because I was really into the Matrix, <laughs> and the Matrix Reloaded had just come out, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to start wearing trench coats, and that'll really make me like unique and different, and probably maybe stand out to Petunia. Yeah, and uh, we actually had like a like a physics class together, right? Yeah, and so we actually sat relatively near each other in the back in physics, and so. You know, this is after like multiple attempts of trying to get her to talk to me or even notice me. It wasn't really working out. And uh, one day I was wearing my trench coat in in the back of physics and we were doing some like group projects. So like the teacher wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. So everybody was kind of moving around and talking and stuff like that. And she walked up to me one day and was like, hey, I really like your trench coat. And I turned and it was her. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is amazing. She likes my trench coat. Well, little did she know I had just farted in the trench coat. (laughs) And she asked, she asked me, she was like, hey, could I see your trench coat? Oh. I had literally just farted in it. So, like, the fart is, like, stuck inside of the trench coat. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Right. And she was like, yeah, can, can I see it? And I was like, sure. And so I, with, <laughs> I basically just calmly took off my trench coat that was carrying this fart and handed it to her. And so she, she took the trench coat. She didn't know that I, I had farted in at that point. And she, she ended up putting it on. Oh, and she was trying it on, and I saw literally in her face a moment where she registered, like, this this trench coat smells like shit. Like, this smells really bad. <laughs> and uh, it was a really, really awkward moment because, like, that was the moment I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is my moment to impress her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And she, without a doubt, smelled this gigantic fart in my trench coat. And she just calmly took it off and handed it back to me. It was like, well, I better get back to my physics and left. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it was perhaps the most embarrassing moment of my whole life. Uh, because afterwards, like, I'm pretty sure she went and told people that, like, hey, I just put on his coat and it smelled like poop. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, because after that, like whenever I, w- I would wear trench coats in the, in the hallways, people would like giggle. Oh no. And so like that followed me for the rest of my 11th grade experience, but that's, uh, that's pretty much it. That's my- <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> uh, what was it like? Uh, okay. I want to dissect this a little bit. Go for uh, it. Was it like your classic London Fog trench coat, like the beige color trench coat? Yes. Yeah. It it was the trench coat that like you probably shouldn't have been wearing at the time because of like 
you know, school shootings was, are in people's minds. You I was know? thinking about that too. Yeah. Like, like you, you intended to look like Keanu Reeves. Exactly. But no. Yeah. It did not work out well. It only, uh, seeked, I mean, it only basically like alienated me even more <laughs> because it's like, who's this black kid in this trench coat walking around yeah. in this, you know, the middle of this hallway yeah, private school. So I guess, yeah, I was going to kind of get into not, not a, it just, we're sort of getting into the racial element of the whole thing. Uh-huh. Like you're one of the only, you know, black kids at your school. So to some degree you stand out. Totally. Visually. Yes. Right. And you put on a trench coat, which you think is like matrix kind of homages, uh-huh. but could also denote some stereotypical, like you're like a gruff, violent exactly. outsider dude or uh-huh. whatever. So like, did that even, that did that just not register in your mind at the time or yeah it totally did not register in my mind at the time like it it wasn't until uh like literally because i think i kind of blocked the story out of my mind because i remember it being like crushingly embarrassing yeah uh because like you know i like when she asked me like can i see your coat i was like stuck in the beauty tractor beam of petunia and i basically didn't have yeah have the power to say no and so like I handed it to her, which is like the worst, I mean, terrible thing. <laughs> but it worked. Yes, yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. you, you were, you didn't think you were gonna look like. I don't want to joke about school shootings, but you didn't think you would look like a dangerous person, right? Which you totally could have, given the stereotypes out there. Uh, and she thought this New Yorker thought it was cool, like so it did work. It did kind of work, uh, but I like I I did not nail the dismount. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I totally, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess it kind of did work because like I I put that coat on and suddenly she kind of noticed me. I definitely stood out more. Uh, I think I think clothing does matter in this this particular story. Like because you because like I remember like another classic character that wore the trench coat was like from Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Uh huh. The I think it was like the Judd Nelson character, whatever his name was. So like, did you, did you wear the trench coat, but did you dress? How did you dress like under it? Like, were you preppy? Were you? Yeah. So, so ba- we, we all had uniforms. Oh, okay. So like I, I didn't, uh, like there was really no way to like denote your individuality unless you like had accessories. You know what I mean? And those were allowed. Yeah. Yeah. We were allowed to have like accessories. Like you could wear like bracelets and things like that, but like, and jackets. Yeah. And jackets and things like that. Um, but like I, they, uh, but definitely like the administration, like looked down on trench coats, (laughs) which, you know, understandably. So I guess I, I guess, you know, but I, I didn't, I definitely did not, I didn't understand the, perception that that image gave off <laughs> yeah, wearing yeah. a trench coat in the middle of uh you know just walking around the hallways i guess makes people nervous um it's interesting that in the story you you think you suck right uh-huh. and, and you to some degree do because <laughs> you can't talk to her and you, right you, right you just can't get your act together but uh she kind of engaged with you she was i wonder if she was maybe kind of curious maybe she thought you were something i don't know yeah i you know what's interesting after that is like i like for some reason in that moment after after i farted in this (laughs) trench coat i basically like for some reason like 
standing there and then making that, like knowing that she knew that like there's something wrong with this and then her giving it back to me was almost like it laid it all to rest in this weird way. It's like when she handed my, my trench coat back to me, yeah. it still like had a very uh, fartish smell to it. <laughs> um, I, I, without a doubt, it, it, I, I was like mourning the loss of that. Cause I was like, Oh, that will never happen. This thing right. will never, ever happen. It's like uh yeah, it's like you shot your shot or whatever the slang is. Exactly. You, yeah. You took your chance and uh, I took my chance. I took my swing and I yeah. struck out and I struck out like in kind of the worst possible way. But what was cool about it was like after that, after that whole experience and like basically uh, feeling horrified, I kind of like, like I said, I kind of let it go. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then after that, I just decided to go like all in on theater and just started performing in plays and stuff like that. So like in a weird way, it was like my, my, pursuit of trying to get like someone to approve of me to be like well please love me please i'm wearing a trench coat don't you see i'm special uh kind of like allowed me to move past that thought and get to a much more healthy perspective on myself just like oh well i'm gonna stop trying to impress people and just be me yeah uh that was like a very poignant thing to say i was i was gonna i was gonna dig into like the flatulence oh go for it yeah was this post-launch pre-launch oh this was definitely post-launch and like what was crazy is like this was kind of before i mean i don't i don't know what like lunches are like in schools now yeah but uh for some reason we like went through a phase where like we were not concerned about like health in terms of like the food that we were eating at school. It was all about like how good did it taste? Right. Right. Uh, because like, you know, kids would go back home and be like, you know, man, lunch was awesome. We had pizza, we had chicken fingers. We had, so like every, every single lunch, like everybody's stomach was full of like greasy, nasty food basically. Yeah, Yeah. So I'm sure like the flatulence was actually like a pretty widespread thing. (laughs) Uh, but mine was just like poorly, poorly timed. And, yeah, and I didn't clearly. have, and I, yeah, I didn't have the strength to just be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll show you my coat later. I could have just said that, but that also might've been strange to say, because how do you, that's a weird move. That's a weird yeah, move. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in and so, moment, yeah. Like an 11th grader, you don't, yeah. It's like yeah. A girl in your dreams, you know? Yeah. Girl of my dreams. And so like, I, I kind of felt like to some degree it was kind of checkmate, which is like, can I see your coat? I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. I Oh no. <laughs> There's nothing I can do in this moment. I my back's against the wall. And also, yeah, I guess like the engineering of the trench coat to entrap smells. Yeah, cuz cuz that, that's that, a thing too, right? Yeah, that is a thing because like, you know, if if I'm if she has to see my jacket, like my jacket is above my butt, right? Yeah. So like it's not going to necessarily trap it. Like and I think that's what makes this story I think so memorable to me is because like just all these things lined up in that moment, like so many things had to line up like a trench coat, literally like, you know, like, I mean, this thing goes down to my ankles. Oh yeah. So like it literally traps any sort of anything, you know? Yeah. And what, what's interesting though is like, I think if you, uh, study the history of trench coats, (laughs) right. I would say that if you wear, if you wear a trench coat long enough, it'll eventually start to smell really bad. 
I think that might be a thing because by the time I retired my trench coat, I remember it smelled bad. Well, yeah. Oh, I was going to, when did you retire it? It was after that. Oh, like immediately. It was pretty much immediately after that. Oh, okay. I mean, like I, I think I wore it for like a few more days, but I okay. kind of like, like I said, people were like giggling at me. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it made the rounds. And then I was like, it's time to, to phase this out of my life. What uh, it's a trench coat phase. What, the parent angle i want to kind of probe uh-huh did they have any thoughts about you wearing a trench coat to school so you know surprisingly i would say like my my parents were like super cool okay. uh in the sense that like i i think they knew that i kind of had had it so, uh rough socially i had sort of a socially rough high school experience like yeah, yeah. i i really hated it socially uh, I loved I loved it academically because I was like I'm I'm a very studious bookwormy kind of person, uh, but when it came to to actually um, you know surviving socially, they they knew I would probably go through a lot of different phases, and I went through so many phases in high school. I went through like a a rock phase where I was like oh. like trying to be like Brandon Boyd from Incubus. I was like I want to be like that guy. He's so cool. And then I went through like an Andre 3000 phase. <laughs> Or I like permed my hair, so I had straight hair at one point. Uh, uh, I would love to see a picture. Of uh, I I burned all of them. Yeah. They that I I think there's literally one picture that exists of me with straight hair, but like I it didn't like flip the way I wanted to. Like in you know in the Hey Ya video, yeah, he's like Hey Ya, and he's like, you know, uh, jamming. And like one of the things that like is so cool about that is like it's this black dude, like flicking his hair around you know what i mean and right. it's like looks very like rock star punk love it kind of vibe you know yeah and i remember just being mesmerized by that growing up and then then i was obsessed with the matrix and i was like keanu reeves is cool i want to be like that <laughs> and so i think my parents were just like okay he's going through some stuff yeah we're just gonna encourage him to be himself and whatever he settles on, that is who he is. <laughs> so they never really, uh, like, for for more or less, I, I guess it's it's a, a, a benefit and a strength. Like, they kind of let me make my own mistakes. Yeah. Do you know any, you have any idea what happened to this girl? Okay, so here's what's weird is, like, she basically, you know, we all graduated um we had a super small class size so everybody was kind of aware of what he where everybody okay. was going and stuff like that yeah and she went i think back to new york but like she's kind of nowhere to be found on social media oh, okay or anything like that it's like she like disappeared oh, almost man. like she never existed i was gonna say it's really weird uh because like i i googled petunia uh, the other right, uh, right. the other day, because like when the story popped up in my mind, I re like all these feelings came back to me for sure. And so I was trying to see if I could find her, and I had nowhere to be found. So I was like, "Ooh, this is it's very interesting." I wonder if it even if it even happened. No, I'm just kidding. It's always yeah. I uh, I'll, I'll share a quick one and then uh, you know kind of wrap up. But I, yeah, it's like you know I was a. I was a young male in high school and certainly there were, I was attracted to girls mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, anytime, like, and I was, I feel like a kinship cause I've had similar like moments where like I maybe got to interact with the popular girl and then like, I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I froze. And I remember like, it was like, 
yeah, it was like sophomore year. We had like a, like I lived in like a group in Orange County. So like the OC, you know, like it was like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Like for real. Or, or 90210. But um, the community center that I lived near had like a you know, like swimming pool, mm-hmm. like volleyball courts. And I remember my friends and I would go play volleyball all the time or whatever, beach volleyball. And then the one day we went, it was like all the popular girls were there playing volleyball in like swimsuits. And we just like lost it. <laughs> like you didn't know what to do. Right. We were like, uh, and they were like on a court, you know? Yeah. And like you could have like slickly been like, hey, let's all play together or something. But we just like, I don't know what to do. Like, should we just go home? Like, I don't know how to talk to these people. Yeah. You know, and, that, and I feel like that was a blown opportunity. Because maybe if I had like some kind of confidence and I like, was more machismo or something. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's stunning. Like how, how, at least for me, it's felt like crippling having almost no self-confidence like growing up. Right. Like, dude, it is the, the biggest, uh, like barrier to social success possible. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like, man. Yeah. Cause like, you know, some of the, the the guys that were more confident that would you know be able to talk to these girls were also not the most pleasant people either yeah yeah and then and then what's what's really sad is like you don't have a lot of examples of it uh, or sorry um at least growing up i felt like i didn't have a lot of great examples of like gentlemanly guys with self-confidence that could just walk up to anybody and kind of persuade them uh for their you know, for whatever they wanted to achieve. And, uh, right. So okay. like, that's a very nice way of saying, right. Like, right. I know, I know what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, and so for me, I, uh, like the bad part is like, then if like, like the next day, um, after like crushing humiliation, you try to be like, Oh yeah, no, no, I did that on purpose. No, no. You know, like trying to, I feel like I, the only thing I could do basically was like, imitate the other people that I saw who that came naturally to. Yeah. But then like when you try and imitate something, people can tell like, Oh, you are what's what, where was this yesterday? Uh, this feels very thin and flimsy. What's going on. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) and so like I, man, just socially high school was really bad. I feel like it, it took me a long time to finally get to the point where I could like, you know, feel okay with myself. Uh, Watch me wrap this up by tying in what I talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. Having no idea what you were going to talk about. All right. Your trench coat moment was a challenge and a triumph at the same time. Hey, yo. What? Bro, drop the mic. That was so <laughs> dope. <laughs> I just unintentional, but I mean, this really, in- yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is uh, like the moment was mortifying for you but then also i guess led to your gaining self-confidence my 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 rebirth yeah um well i like to uh i I like to ask this question you know it's kind of a close close out for most of my guests and i'll ask this for you uh you you literally have never told the story at all to people out who maybe lived it right so no one around here none of the basketball players nobody uh like, how do you feel now that this is going to be public very soon? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like there's a part of me that's kind of like self-conscious now. Cause I, 
I feel like maybe to someone who doesn't know all the circumstances, it might be like, oh, big deal, you fart in a jacket, you know? But I remember, I just remember at the time, it was the most like mortifying thing in the world. Uh, but it feels good now because I can kind of look back on it and laugh. Right. So the fact that it, I guess people are going to hear this, and I don't even know if people, uh, you know, like if it will even impact anyone or anything. But for me, it feels great of like, oh yeah, that that was a moment that happened, and that's a part of who I am now. That's a that moment uh, pushed me forward in a lot of ways, even though at the time it felt really horrible. Yeah. And I guess like now that it's public, I feel just a sense of relief that like parts of myself that I feel like, cause I kind of block that memory out Yeah, and I'm really good at blocking memories out. That's probably my best skill as a, <laughs> as a human being is like, Oh, that never happened. Great. Uh, but like kind of going back and reexamining things, uh, and coming to terms with them and, and being at peace with them feels really nice. Good man. Well, well, Justin, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, thanks Petun- for having me, Petunia. Man. If you hear this story, Petunia, reach out. Call me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm married. Happily married. Happily married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yes. I always got to make sure I say that's that. right. Happily married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, talk soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in, it's easy. You can subscribe for the best story I never told. That's right on iTunes, Spotify. Google Play or Stitcher.